0: You stand with us as we sing.
1: I'm tired. I'm very, very tired. And again, I'm old, so it happens. Guys, I am so, so grateful for this glorious day that happened in my life, the day that I met Jesus Christ, and I said, I no longer want to live the old life. I've got a brand new life. I was in darkness, and now I'm in the light. This has changed the trajectory of of my life, and I want to change the trajectory of every life that I ever encounter for the rest of my life because of what he has done for me. That is the essence of the gospel. It is the essence of what it is that we do here and why we do what we do because God has done so much for us. He has given us a brand new life. And I want to make sure that this world is able to see the light of Jesus Christ within me and see the light of Jesus Christ is coming emanating from this very place and outside of this place as well. We all come together here because of what Jesus Christ has done on a cross. And what we want to do is every time that we gather together, we want to celebrate Jesus and his sacrifice for each of us. So in a few moments, you're going to get a chance to get back up again after all of your resting, and you'll be able to go around to the tables, and you'll be able to get the, uh, our communion elements. And these are essentially our, our emblems of what it is that Jesus Christ has done for us. His, the bread that you take, the little cracker that's there is going to represent his, his uh, body. And when you take the juice, you're representing his blood. And both of those things were sacrificed for us. And there's a lot of rich, rich, rich history in the Old Testament and the New Testament. If you want to talk more about it later on, we can. But it all comes down to this: it's just a way for us to remember that Jesus Christ changed our lives, and we want to make sure that we're thanking Him for that and we are communing with Him. This place is your home, and you want to give an offering. This is also the time to do that. There's black boxes at each of the stations. You can do that as well. And then anything beyond that, if you want to give. Uh, outside of your offering something that is just on your heart right now beyond what you've uh, chosen to bring for your offering you can put that into the generous bucket goes to people in need in this community so if you would go ahead and stand like i said we're going to pray i'm going to send you to these tables remembering those things all the things that he has done for each of us father in heaven thank you for allowing us to be here there's so many different things that have kept us uh, would have kept us from here, and uh, all those external and internal things, God, I, I appreciate so much giving us the peace to allow us to be into this place right now, to celebrate together this new name, this new life, the light that you have given to us, to help us to be so overwhelmed, so empowered by what it is that you've done, that we cannot help but go out and tell the world what it is that you have done. We thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and his sacrifice, his perfect example. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and do the tables right now.
0: Savior bled for me. My Jesus said.
2: Neckle. I love that image of Jesus. Here comes trouble. Jesus and his disciples heading into town, because here comes trouble. Because guys, Jesus caused a whole lot of trouble. He was really good at it. So good at it that eventually they arrested him, beat him until he was mostly dead, crucified him until he was completely dead. And then he stayed dead a couple of days. I know most people don't have a picture of Jesus as a troublemaker, but that's because most people don't picture the real Jesus. The real Jesus stirred up enough trouble to get himself canceled. And he stirred up enough trouble that his enemies have been coming after his followers for two millennia. That's a troublemaker on steroids, right? It wasn't an accident. Jesus said two things that pretty much proved that it was not an accident. He said, don't think that I've come to bring peace to the world. Huh? And what about all that peace on earth, goodwill to men stuff? He said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Holy cow. That's kind of the opposite of what most people think of when they think of Jesus, right? Kind of the opposite of what most Jesus followers think when they think of Jesus. Here comes trouble. And he's not just stirring trouble for himself, he says if the world hates you, and that means you guys, if people out there hate you guys, remember it hated me first, he says. Isn't that cool? We're following trouble, and if we do it well, if we do our Jesus following well, we're going to get trouble too. Here comes trouble. So I look out, and I look out at a bunch of troublemakers, right? Isn't that cool? How cool is that? You're not just weird, you're trouble, I hope. And it was Jesus' plan all along. Let me show you. This guy Matthew was one of Jesus' disciples, so he was an eyewitness to most of what he writes about. And he was there when Jesus sent his 12 disciples out to do some preaching. In fact, he talks about it in chapter 10 of his Jesus story. Half of it talks about what Jesus told his own disciples to do when they went out preaching. The second half is about us, their words to us. It's about what you and I, what we Jesus followers can expect when we live in a world where most people aren't Jesus followers. And Jesus said it's not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to get really, really hard. So are you ready? Here's what Jesus says to us. He says, I'm sending you guys, I'm sending you guys out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and be as harmless as doves. And I'll tell you the truth, I never liked that verse much. I mean, I don't care about the 23rd Psalm. I've been around sheep and I don't like sheep. Stupid and they're helpless. And I don't want to be called a sheep. But Jesus says, I'm sending you out into a world that could knock you around because they're going to have power over your bodies. It could kill you so be smart in fact be as shrewd as a snake but be as pure as a dove in other words don't fight their meanness with meanness it is not our way Jesus says well, and then he says to what Jesus followers some of you guys are gonna be handed over to the courts you're gonna be flogged with whips in the synagogues which is not cool You're going to stand trial before governors and kings just because you're my followers. But it's going to be an opportunity for you to tell the unbelievers about me. Wow. Apparently that's a big deal to Jesus. He says, when you are arrested, he says when, not if, don't worry about how you're going to respond, what you're going to say. God is going to give you the right words at the right time because it won't be you that's speaking at that time. It's going to be God speaking through you. So, have you ever experienced anything kind of like that? Have you ever been criticized for being a Christian and it's kind of like God has given you the courage that you needed at that moment or the words that were better than what you might have spoken at that moment? He does that kind of stuff, you know. And then Jesus gets even harder. He says some of those who are going to criticize you and mock you and cancel you, they're going to be your own family, guys. Your brothers, your sisters, your parents, your kids. Jesus says a brother is going to betray his own brother to death just because you're a Jesus follower. father is going to betray his own children just because his children are Jesus followers. Children are going to rebel against their parents. They're going to cause their own parents to be killed just because their parents are Jesus followers. To my knowledge, it hasn't gone that far yet for any of the families here at Capital City. But I know that there's dissing going on rejecting going on, and canceling going on in our families because of Jesus. Because I've talked to a lot of you guys who've been hurt deeply, and it's hard when a family goes to war over Jesus. going to be hard, Jesus says, but don't you dare quit. Don't quit. Don't back off. Don't compromise. In fact, he says, all of the nations are going to hate you because you're my followers. In fact, Listen, guys, this is perhaps not what you'd like to hear, but we're not going to win this spiritual war in this world. Fact is, we are not going to win this spiritual war in this world. We're never going to quit pointing people to Jesus, but we're not going to win the war in this world. That victory is only going to come when Jesus comes back. And he is going to come back. So he says, everyone who endures to the end, don't quit. Everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Don't back off. Don't compromise. Don't quit. Eventually, we will win. And then, three times in a row, this is interesting. Three times in a row, he says, Don't be afraid. Don't be a wuss. Don't be a wimp. Don't be afraid. It's not going to be easy to be a Jesus follower, but life's tough. Verse 26 Don't be afraid of those who threaten you, he says. Goes on to tell you that remember that everybody who threatens you is going to have to stand before God. He's watching. And he's going to have your back. Make him proud. Verse 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. (laughs) They can't touch your soul. And your soul matters way more than your body, right? He says, fear only God who can destroy both in hell. Verse 29 Not a single tiny little sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. The very hairs on your head are numbered. I've made it easy for God, right? (laughs) So don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. He's got you, guys. He is infinitely powerful. He's infinitely good. And every single one of you is infinitely valuable to God. So He's got your back, He says but he knows it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to follow Jesus in a world that, in which most don't. Verses 32 and 33, Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven, but whoever denies me here on earth, I'm going to deny that person before my Father in heaven. Now, do you understand what he's saying? He says, you're going to be tempted to betray him. You're going to be tempted to compromise. You're going to be tempted to marginalize him. You're going to be tempted to give him as little as you can get away with. You're going to be tempted to call yourself a Jesus follower inside these walls and then live like you're not outside these walls. And Jesus says, Don't go there. That's not going to work out well. And then here it is. Here's where he blows their minds and ours sometimes. Verse 34 he says, Don't think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I didn't. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. In fact, he says, I came to set sons against their fathers and daughters against their mothers and daughters-in-law against their mothers-in-law. In In fact, he says, your worst enemies will be members of your own family. Holy cow. Is what Jesus came to tell us that controversial? Yeah. Is doing life with God, for God, God's way going to be that objectionable? to some yeah it will be so Jesus says verse 37 if you love this is, this is huge if you, if you love your mom or dad more than you love me you're not worthy of being mine holy cow you buy that do you actually live that way he says if you love your kid more than you love me you're not worthy of being mine moms do you live that out dads He says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine, which means that being accepted by Jesus is more important, infinitely more important than being accepted by your kids or your parents or your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your teachers or your internet heroes or whoever. Is Jesus that important to you? If not, why not? Don't you get it? So it's pretty clear that Jesus expected us, Jesus' followers, to struggle in this world, and we have. In fact, in some places in this world, they come against us really, really hard. There are still places in the world today where they'll kill you if you're a Christian, or they'll steal your kids, or they'll find an excuse to throw you in jail or fine you or whatever. Whatever. Not here yet, but there are places in the world where persecution of Christians is flat-out hot. What we face here in Kentucky is usually far more subtle, but it's here. And it's growing, and I expect it to get worse. We talked about this last week, not too long ago here in America. We were considered the good guys, right? Christianity was accepted as a good thing, good for people, good for society, good for culture. Christian morality was pretty much accepted as foundational. Even if you were not a Christian, if you were not a serious Christian, and most people weren't, still God, Jesus, church, Bible, even pastors, we were the good guys. And then in just a blink of time, it looked like we might just be one of the guys We're kind of like, well, if Jesus works for you, that's cool. If Jesus doesn't work for you, that's cool, too. And We Jesus followers thought we could work with that, right? I mean, we'll stack up our good news events against anybody's good news. Ours is better, works better. Just lay it out as clearly as possible, and anybody who's fair-minded would be able to see that following Jesus wins. We can compete on a neutral playing field, but the speed of cultural change has been stunning We fought wars over women's rights, whether the whole idea of masculine is toxic. We fought wars over same-sex marriage, gender issues, transgender issues. We fought wars over abortion, over free speech. Can I say things that might offend you, that hurt your feelings? Fought wars over race, racism. We fought educational wars, climate wars, wars over the limits of government. We fought wars over whether religion has any place in the public square. Bottom line, all of a sudden, we became the bad guys. Go figure. And Today, a whole lot of people think that Jesus followers are not the solution or the problem. We went from being the good guys right past just being one of the guys to being the bad guys in just a blink of time as history goes. But guys, that shouldn't bother us. It shouldn't worry us. It shouldn't scare us. We've been bad guys before. Jesus predicted it clearly. I just showed you. He told us that following him wouldn't be easy in this world. In fact, he warned us that following him will make life harder in this world by that? He also said it's worth it. Do you believe that, that it's worth it? Do you really? You see, even though Jesus knew it was going to be tough, he gave us a job to do. He said, you, you Jesus followers, you guys, are the, you guys are the salt of the earth, right? You guys are the light of the world. And when the world accepts us, pretty easy when it doesn't accept us then we've got some options several options four I think and only one of them is God honoring option number one when the world grows hostile sometimes we Jesus followers hide we withdraw we build walls build monasteries, gated communities, enclaves where we can practice following Jesus in safety, keeping the world out as best we can. You know how Jesus says that we're the salt of the earth? Some of us, it's kind of like this. We kind of... We use the salt to build a big old wall, right? And that's how we see ourselves as the salt of the earth. You know how Jesus says we're the light of the world? We're going to be a light, but we're going to turn it on really, really dim. Really dim, and we're going to set it behind where where we can see what we're doing, but we don't want anybody to notice because it's kind of scary when people see us doing what we do and living how we live. It's kind of like we want our light to shine behind our walls so no one can see us, not too brightly so they'll leave us alone. Bottom line, we're kind of like, I'll protect me. I'll protect mine, we'll protect our own. But for all intents and purposes, people out there can go to hell, right? There are Jesus followers who think that way, there are denominations that tend that way. Bottom line, the church has never done well, hiding behind walls. Church has never done well on defense. Church has never done well. It's never flourished when we retreat just to protect our own. Now, we've had to at times when they just kill us for being Christian. But the minute that we see an opening, we Jesus followers go on offense. Because Jesus told us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And he wasn't envisioning salt walls and lights that only we could see. And other times, instead of hiding... A lot of churches and a lot of Jesus followers go into warrior mode, right? That's option number two. Remember those laws that used to protect us? Let's go get those laws back. You know those laws that used to support our causes? Well, let's go get those laws back. Let's push ourselves back to the head of the table. Let's oust those people who are dissing us. Let's elect some people to support our agenda. Jesus calls us the salt of the earth, right? Well... It's kind of like these are those guys out there, right? This is the little guy. I wanted an army man, but my wife gave me a Lego man. <laughs> and it's kind of like we're saying, I'll show you salt. I'll bury him in it, right? You want to see some light? I don't want that wussy light. In fact, I want something that looks like this. I'll show him some light, right? Right? see how they deal with that quite a few of us Jesus followers that's the kind of stuff that fires us up we're warriors right I don't mind a fight a political fight we'll say sometimes we justify ourselves rather stupidly if we can change the laws if we can force them to behave maybe then they'll turn to Jesus right so we try to win the fight instead of winning their hearts We try to force people who don't believe in God to to behave like they do, which doesn't work well. By the way, you ever heard the phrase angry boomer? That's what they see in us. They don't see love, they see anger. And that is not what Jesus meant when he told us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And sometimes instead of hiding or going into the warrior mode, We go to option number three. Sometimes individual Christians and sometimes whole denominations go into the compromise mode. Instead of letting God set our agenda, we let the world set the agenda for us. Instead of letting God set the standards for truth, we try to compromise with whatever our world thinks is true so we can be relevant, so we can be liked. This kind of stuff's been going on for a long time. Guys, when I was a grad student down at Emory in Atlanta, we would always chuckle. We went through the seminary and looked at the bulletin board, and it seems like every week there was a different social cause on the bulletin board. We called it the cause of the week. And for one week, that's what everybody was about, just jump into whatever cause our world gets excited about. You know, Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth. Well, sometimes Jesus' followers are kind of uncomfortable with being salt, I mean, hard, so instead we try to replace it with sugar. It looks the same, right? We'll just kind of coat it with sugar so we can attract people to us instead of repel, right? We'll try to be as sweet as we can. Guys, we need to be as sweet as we can, but we never let the world set our agenda. We never compromise on God's truth. You know how God calls us to be the light of the world? Well, sometimes, you know, good light's it's kind of offensive, isn't it? It's harsh. So we try to make it more palatable, something a lot more pleasing, right? Something that's not hard to look at. But guys, if people are lost, they need the purest light that you can give them. Now, if you've followed the cultural wars of the last few years, gender wars, LGBTQ wars, transgender wars, wars over racism, social justice, wars over abortion climate, vaccines, masks. I don't want you to mishear what I'm saying, guys. We, Jesus followers, care about justice, don't we? We, Jesus followers, care about taking care of this world that God has given to us. We, Jesus followers, care about people, no matter what color they are, no matter what sexual issues they struggle with, no matter how marginalized others think they are. We care about all of that stuff, but... We believe the answer to all of these problems can be found in doing life with God for God, God's way. That's the answer, we think. You can be passionate if you want about some lesser cause if you want, but if you're a Jesus follower, your first cause is to bring people face to face with our God. No capitulation, no compromise. You know why? You understand why? here it is guys do you actually believe that there is a God a profoundly wise a profoundly powerful God do you actually believe that God is profoundly good and for some crazy reason he loves you he loves them he loves all of us without reservation without condition Do you actually believe that our God wants to do life with us so deeply that he would go to extraordinary lengths, I mean to a cross, to make it possible? So here it is. Do you actually believe that God's love and God's grace and God's truth is the best news ever? And if you believe that doing life with God, for God, God's way is the best way to live, Do you actually think that God gives us a superior vision for sex, for marriage, for family? Do you think he gives us a superior vision, a way to achieve justice and equality and human dignity? Do you believe that he gives us a superior way to understand our purpose, to taste joy? Well, guys, we believe that. And if that's so, why would we compromise on God's truth and God's grace? How could compromise do anything but cheapen it? So, guys, if our gospel is that amazing, that liberating, that life-giving, that life-changing, why would we ever consider keeping it to ourselves? I mean, if you actually love somebody who needs it, why would you keep it to yourself? What cost of sharing the good news would be too high? What risk of rejection would ever outweigh the reward of seeing someone you love set free by God? which is why our God gave us a fourth option in the face of a hostile world. It's not about us Jesus followers hiding behind walls. It's not about our using politics as a weapon. It's not about compromise. It's about doing what Jesus told us to do. He said, you guys are kind of like salt for the whole human race, right? And if salt has... Become tasteless. What worth is it? So just throw it out and let it, people trample on it. And it says, you guys are like light on a hill. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a light stand. You put it on top of it where it gives light for everybody in the house. The same way, your light's got to shine before people, shine before people so they can see the good things that you're doing and praise your God in heaven. And Jesus says you're like salt, right? You're like salt. Some of you guys are terrified of salt, right? You think it's going to kill you. Did you know without salt you're dead? Without salt, every one of us is dead. Back then they knew it because they didn't have salt shakers and they couldn't go to Kroger's and buy a bolt of, a um, box of salt for a buck or a bag of Lay's at the gas station. One article that I read actually called salt the most important mineral in history. They used it to preserve their foods, to heal their wounds. They knew that without salt, you would die in just a few weeks. And Jesus said, you guys, you guys are like salt for the whole human race. They need us. They desperately need the grace and the truth that we have found in Jesus. Do you believe that? Remember how Ben described our mission in this world as search and rescue? You're the salt of the earth. So we got to get it done. You're like light, Jesus says. Not the kind of light that you might put in your house that only you guys can see. Not the kind of light that you might see in an interrogation room. You don't want to be that kind of light. Now stop that. But it's got to be visible. It's Not the kind of light, the pseudo light that others are following. You're like lights on a hill. You're like lighthouses on a shoreline. You're like the kind of lights that are used by people who are doing search and rescue because they need to see us, even if it is scary to be seen because they need to discover what we have found. Guys, for just a minute, kill the lights in the room. Do you mind? Kill the lights in the room, but if you look around, you can still see some lights, can't you? You can see the exit signs that mark the escapes. You can see the little lights that mark where the machinery is. You can especially see the worship centers. You see that? The worship centers illuminating the grace and the truth of Jesus. Guys, that's us. That's us. We have to be different. We have to be visible. We have to live lightly. Jesus says, you guys are the salt of the earth and you guys are the light of the world. So get it done. Pull the lights back up, please. Over the past few months I keep coming back to two phrases myself we have to be the ultimate counterculture ultimate counterculture that's who we are and we have to live lightly we're the ultimate counterculture and our mission in this world is to live lightly because we really believe that there is a profoundly good profoundly wise and profoundly loving God And we believe that he actually entered into this world to enable us to do life with him. And we believe that doing life with him, for him, his way is without question the very best way to live for every single person, everywhere, for all of time. We believe that doing life with God will achieve all of those good goals that people out there are pursuing so badly. So Jesus said... If you're the light of the world, you've got to let your light shine before people in a way that they can see you, living out the kind of life that they're looking for. And they're going to glorify, not you guys, but they're going to glorify our God. And here's what it looks like. It means that we Jesus followers live fearlessly. It's not that we're never scared. That'd be psychopathic. It's that we fear God more than we fear any person. Ben's going to be unpacking this in about two weeks. We live fearlessly. We live boldly. We don't hide who we are. We don't hide what we are. We're not cocky. We're not arrogant, but we're confident. We're we're robustly confident, so we're bold. And we live nobly. We live as people of integrity. If we're mocked, if we're criticized, if we're canceled, we do not respond in kind. We're people of truth and grace. Because we're trying to live out a weird, weird kind of love. We're going to talk about that more next week. And we live purposefully, guys. We are on a mission from God and we can never forget it. If you're a Jesus follower, guys, it is not about you. We don't live the self centered life, it's about serving our God and serving those around us that God loves. If you're a Jesus follower, it is not about you, right? And when they see us living so differently, so weirdly, because we're not going to hide, they're going to start wondering if these Jesus followers are so dangerous, why do they live so lightly? If these Jesus followers are preaching hate, that's kind of what they accuse us of, right? If they're so hateful, why are they always loving on and serving their enemies? Why, when we are mocked and canceled, why do we not respond in kind? We're different. If we're so misogynistic, which we're accused of, why are our marriages so strong and our ladies so grand? If our views on sexuality are so stupid, why are our relationships so much stronger? Why are our singles so chaste? Why are our same-sex attracted? so fulfilled by non-sexual relationships? If we're so bigoted and racist, why are our churches filled with such a weird cluster of such a diversity of people finding ways to love on and do life with each other? We are the ultimate counterculture. And we live lightly. They need it. And God deserves it. Because we're on a mission from God, right? Right? That's what this next song is going to be about, the commission, the mission from God that he's given to us. Let's stand and sing together.
3: Seated for a moment, if you would, please. You know, we come into this place and we celebrate every Lord's Day. We celebrate a time that we're looking forward together. He said, because goodbye is not the end. We get to go be with him. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Man, you know, we celebrate that about every week. But he says also in that song, he says, I've got a plan for you. Yeah, I'm going to go away. You get to get be with me. Yes, I do. Yes, we can do that. But I've got a plan. And you know what that plan is? I just don't want you to sit. I don't want you to just sit and celebrate. I want you to go. I want you to go tell the world about me. Because you see, even though you go out there, you're going to be called the bad guy. Yes, you're going to cause trouble. Oh, yeah, trouble's coming. But do it. Because there's a great blessed hope that looks out ahead of us. And we're so serious about going out there. We want to help you be better equipped to get out there. So on Wednesday nights, we have these groups that meet. And when they come together, we'll, we'll teach you about, uh, Doc, we'll be teaching you about what the New Testament, why it's so important that we are listening to and obeying a book that's 2,000 years old. You give you some ammunition to talk about these things. You say, well, I'm not that you know, strong in my faith yet. I, I, need to, I need a little more basic stuff. We got that class covered for you, too we got like a beginner's class, discipleship, whatever you want to call it. It's there on Wednesday night for you as well. I want to get hooked with some ladies. Okay, that's good. Ladies, we have ladies groups for you. We have a ladies Bible study. We have a mom's life. Two different sections for you to go to. Again, encouraging you to take part in showing your faith out there. And guys, we didn't leave you out. We have a men's group that meets on Wednesday nights as well. It'll challenge your faith, challenge how you live with your wife, challenge how you live out into the world. Accept that challenge for him. We're serious about what we do here. This is not a country club. Come out and let's continue to share one another. And another way we're basically going to help do that as well is coming up next Saturday there's a breakfast that will be at 7 30 and listen to me very closely this is an announcement for everyone this is not just guys alone ladies even down to kids okay we're going to be help building hope next saturday here's another way that we can reach out reach out as far as western kentucky we're challenging you to come in we need uh, several people somewhere around 100 to show up and There's cards in the in the seats in front of you there and, and beside you uh, there's a QR code You can hit that QR code and you can get signed up for that We'll serve you breakfast at 730. We'll start will be devotions there We'll start building shortly after that and again. Let me echo this. You do not have to be a contractor You do not have to know anything. You don't have to bring a tool. We'll have it all here for you Come out. Let's build this house we'll put together walls that we're going to ship to Western Kentucky for somebody to live in. Go for it. Again, breakfast at 7.30. We start building shortly after that. Men, women, and children, come on out. Let's build some hope, okay? One last thing. Next Sunday, at, right after a second worship, uh, we're going to have our first look luncheon. And our first look luncheon means that if you've been coming here you know, if you're relatively new, uh, you're curious about our church. You're curious about the mission. You would like to meet some of the staff. <laughs> I was going to be bad, but I won't. Okay, let, let's. Uh, yeah, what I said, we're about some of the staff. You, you, you come on out, and you get to meet. You will meet some of the staff. Maybe not everybody will have the opportunity to be there, be able to meet the staff. We will serve you lunch, uh, and this is on us. Again, if you're new here. Want to know more information about the church, get to know us a little bit better next Sunday, the 28th, right after second worship, please come down to the fellowship hall, and we'll serve you lunch, and you'll get to know us, and you'll also ask, get to ask questions, and if you so desire, we'll give you a tour of the building to show you what, where everything is and why we do what we do. Folks, thank you so much for being here today, but go tell the world about him. Go tell the world that he's... He still lives. Go be the bad guy. So now you may go.